High Noon with George Hook. Thanks to ClaytonHotels.com with 17 hotels across Ireland and the UK. Now we're going to Washington, D.C. to talk to somebody who knows nothing about rugby, in fact, knows nothing about sport, um, Michael Graham. I want you to know I'm on top of the Quidditch championships, George, completely. <laughs> so it's very important. By the way, I just want to say on behalf of uh, President Trump to everyone in Ireland, Das Josviet Tovarish. And... Uh, <laughs> Comrades, well, welcome. Well, listen. Spasiba for this opportunity to be with you here. Did say, hold a minute. Did he say to your man, the Russian ambassador, well, listen, Joe, Joe Schmidt is our uh, man in Russia and Mickey right. Murphy is our man in Iraq. <laughs> he didn't say that. It wasn't quite that bad, but it was apparent. And once again, we're waiting for, you know, more details, but oh, so close. But this is the key part for people to know the story. President Trump, of course, the day after he fires the FBI director who was in charge of investigating, among other things, Trump and Russia, the Trump has the Russian, you know, uh, ambassador in the White House. And so they're sitting around chatting. And uh, Trump allegedly gave details about some ISIS intelligence that we're getting from a third party, <coughs> Israel, <coughs> and some unknown third party. And this was a problem, uh, allegedly. And uh, this goes back to this idea that Trump was somehow colluding with the Russians to steal the election. Please, Russia's not, Trump is not a colluder. He couldn't collude a group of teenage boys to surf the internet for porn. Trump is a braggart and a bonehead and a dumb, a, a not smart person. And so what everyone believes is not that he was trying to help the Russians by breaking our intelligence rules. They believe he's such a dope that he's going, and then, Sergey, let me tell you what happened. We found out. And so who knows how much damage he's done? Who knows what the real story is but it is classic trump all right now uh, things have reached a pretty pass when uh, some beauty queen uh, who is famous for the size of parts of our body is now the primary spokesperson on healthcare in the usa i mean well, you, you mean the really size you mean the size of her cerebrum of course because <laughs> she's a scientist she is a professional scientist uh, and she's miss usa Yes, she is. She is the full package, if I can say that on the radio. Absolutely. <laughs> and she, of course, is completely right that health care is not a right. She's not right that it's a privilege. Privilege was a loaded word put in by the questioner, but it's certainly not a right. And none of your listeners believe that health care is a right. They think they do because they haven't thought about it, but nobody believes anything. And what dumb. do you think health care is? Healthcare is something you need, just like food and water. But, you know, if you're a you're in a plane crash on a desert island where there's no food and water. You don't get any because you don't have a right to it because it doesn't fall out of heaven. You know, the, the, the rights, the judges don't swim out and bring it to you. Uh, we used to have this premise, George, that your job as an adult human being was to fend for yourself. It worked great for human evolution for hundreds of thousands of years. Of course, progressive Euroweenies don't believe in science and human evolution anymore. And so they moved on to this other mystical, magical Harry Potter world where just because you want something and need something, you're entitled to something and it will fall out of the sky. And I think I can explain to your listeners in a way that they'll get why they don't believe that it's all right. May I try? Try. Okay. So – George Hook and Michael Graham are both 18 years old, 
and we go out on our separate paths. George Hook chooses to go to college, become a medical doctor, spend a decade studying intricacies of cardiology. He takes a job that literally involves holding other people's lives in his hands. It's an incredibly stressful job. It's very expensive to get the job, but it pays well because it involves so much knowledge, effort, and work. Michael Graham chooses to spend all day eating burgers and fries or chunks or crisps or flakes, whatever you guys call those things, and shoving you know, f- uh, food down my gullet and swilling uh, Guinness. One day, you're 40 years old, I'm 40 years old, I have a heart the size of a toaster oven, I have horrible cholesterol, I need insulin by the tub. Tell me that I have the right to force all of you, my neighbors, to give me the heart surgery and the insulin that I need. And when you do, tell me that I have the right to go to George Hook and say, you know, I know you worked really hard and you have all these skills and they're worth something, but sorry, sucks to be you. Someone else is entitled to your skills. They have a right to force you to take care of them. So no money for you and everything for fatso. That's the premise that people have a right to health care. Yeah, but Michael, it's very difficult. I know where you're coming from, but it's it's very difficult to work out who has I mean I have a huge problem which rolls in with you which is the idea that drunks can roll in to accident and emergency and because they're drunk they get treated uh, with the same attention and and professionalism as somebody who's in there who's been in a car crash or, or whatever I you know I'm appalled by that I, I mean I think there should just be a tank and these drugs <laughs> no I do I think that the Australian do it. It just have a tank, and they put the drunks into it. Well, this this is the point of this notion that you have the right. There's no such thing as a right to something that doesn't involve taking away somebody else's rights. Do doctors have a right to be paid uh, what they're worth for their very delicate, difficult skills, for the risks they take? For not in our country, not exactly. in our country. Do people who invest literally billions of dollars testing drugs, like the drugs, you know, my wife has multiple sclerosis. She's on a drug regimen that is wildly expensive because MS, fortunately, is a relatively rare disease. Unfortunately, we don't know a lot about it. It's very, in fact, you can't really treat the disease. You can only treat the symptoms. So, but the drug company that made those drugs, are they allowed to get their money back? Are the people who could have chosen to either be a super smart drug researcher or be super smart uh, Wall Street trader, are we going to encourage them to stay in the drug world and save lives because they're allowed to get paid what they're worth? Or we're going to say, sorry, drug companies can only make 1% profit. That's it. So we'll let everybody who was working, you know, at the postal system and at the, you know, bar room, they'll be in charge of the drugs now. Is that really what you want? That's what you get when you claim falsely that healthcare is a right. And the most annoying part, George, is that There is a solution, and the solution is right in front of our face, and the solution is, A, let the free market work and do all the magic that it does, making lots of great products and lots of skilled workers who are very good at their job. Let them compete so that the prices stay reasonable. And then, B, acknowledge that healthcare is different. Healthcare is not cell phones. You know, the market works to a degree, but nobody is – decent human beings – And as much as some of us have a hard time believing this, most people really are decent. Decent human beings will not let their neighbors die without care. Just uh, just on this program today, Mm. in Ireland, uh, we have uh, guys in charge of cardiology who were trained uh, in uh, taxi driving. In effect, we are putting people... Now, we're, we're claiming it's just a temporary glitch because we're short 
talk to guys and we, we're just putting this guy in. He's not qualified. He doesn't have the expertise. And if it was a free market employment situation, he wouldn't get a job. So you come in tomorrow and you've got a cardiology problem and the guy who's treating you isn't qualified. And we're, we're perfectly happy to accept that because we've got a Mickey Mouse system of healthcare. You, on the other hand, in America pay for it. So you'd walk into your hospital and you'd say, you're not going to give me some guy who isn't properly trained when I'm paying for it. And the problem, there is a correlation between paying and what you get. Of course there is. And that is an immune. You know what? I, I don't know about rights. You know, rights is a problematic word, but I do know this, that there are truths there are truths that cannot be evaded. The Soviet Union spent 75 years trying to evade the truth that people's stuff is worth something. And they could try to hand it out under a system of social justice all they wanted, but in the black market, it got paid for. Somebody somewhere used power or money or something to get stuff at what the price it's worth. And the same is true about healthcare. If the progressive left would simply grasp that idea and then join me in saying, you're absolutely right, it's different, so we're going to have this other system too. We're going to have a charity system. We're going to have a, a volunteer system. We're going to have a, uh, you know, a, uh, how about this, a national um, uh, a, a catastrophic care system where everybody in the country pays in a little bit and they all have a national insurance policy that says that if you get cancer or if you get in a massive car accident and you, know, you have $100,000 in bills, that we'll take care of that. Now, we're not going to take care of your day-to-day -day stuff. That's on you. If you're, a, once again, fatso loser and you jack yourself up so you need insulin, that's on you. But we're not going to let anybody uh, who's get stricken with uh, you know, a brain tumor you know, go without care. That's a system that would actually work, but it is dying because progressives put the impossible to achieve perfect over the common sense good. And so they'd rather have the current crappy system where we give everybody Medicaid in America, which sucks so bad doctors don't take it and so they don't get care anyway. All right. So isn't that the problem about America? Despite your free marketeering, there's a huge number of people in America um, don't get cared for. I mean, it's it's when I was over there and living there, the thing that amazed me was that people were worried about losing their jobs. They weren't worried about losing jobs because they didn't get wages on a Friday or they'd know where to go at nine o'clock in the morning. They were worried because their health insurance was linked to their job. And the one thing they lost, which they were terrified of losing, was their health insurance. Because without health insurance, you cannot survive in America. In Ireland, without health insurance, you can survive very badly, but you can survive. I mean, if I want to get my knee replaced, I can get it replaced on Thursday because my insurance pays for it. Right. If my next door neighbor who hasn't insurance wants his knee, knee replaced, they'll do it for him in about three years' time. Yeah, uh, and you have this uh, two-tiered system. I just want to – you keep saying this, and it's just not true. Everybody in New Talks is not true. People in America do not go without care. Our system gets people care. It just does it in a wildly inefficient manner, in part because of what you just described, George. We have this dumb system where we connect your workplace to your health care. There is no reason why your job and your health insurance should be connected. It's an accident after World War II. Um, we had massive inflation because of all the people coming back, all the demand for services coming you know, after the war. And uh, companies were ordered by the government, you cannot raise wages. So what they started doing is they started saying, well, we can't pay you more, but we really want you to work for us. How about you know, health insurance? We'll throw that in. 
and it's tax deductible, so the company gets a benefit. So we've sque- we have an accident of history that screwed the system up. But the solution is not the Obama system of well, just everyone will go to the United States Postal Service and a hospital and get crappy government care. The solution is to take those restrictions off, to set the market free, while saying yes, we get it. Nobody's going to die in the streets. And you know, it's so interesting. My dad was involved in prison ministries for a while, and he would go to the prisons and talk to guys. Just talk, you know, just talk, make them feel normal, talk a little about his faith. And he used to run into social workers and the prisoners told us to tell him, we hate the social workers. Well, why? Well, because they work for the government. They're here for their job. And my dad's like, well, but I'm not, I'm nobody. I'm a TV repairman. I don't have any training. And they say, yeah, but you do it because you want to. And because you care, what you do makes more sense. You focus on us because you want to do it. And the same thing for healthcare. People who choose to volunteer, doctors and, and nurses who work at clinics because they want to, they take a day a month or whatever, you know, and they do that. They are far more, they provide far more better service than the bureaucrat okay. who's there going next, next, next. All right. I have a female doctor sending me a text. Apparently, I wreck her head when I keep referring to doctors <laughs> as guys. I have to Uh-oh. tell you, a doctor, uh, Ms. Ms. Doctor or Mrs. Doctor, um, guys, I think, Michael, now in the 21st century uh, is a multi-gender t- term, isn't it? Guys refers to everybody. I think so. I think it does. Doesn't it, though, really? I, I, it has my whole life. I mean, my, you know, my mom always said, Hey guys. And she was talking to me and my sister. So I don't know. Maybe she knew something about my sister. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, but that's true. I think it's a multi-gender term. So if I've offended a female doctor, I'm sorry, but I'm unlikely to change, uh, on that one. Um, they, they, there's an increasing, uh, problem in Europe, but in Britain and Ireland particularly, is the number of children who, in school, kids, um, who have problems with their gender. And increasing numbers of them uh, are now, uh, they want to be women or they want to be men, whatever. Two things. One, Obama's last act in, in, as president was essentially to say men could use the ladies' toilet providing they wore a skirt. Wasn't that right? In effect. Uh, we'll let it go. Yeah, broadly speaking. What do you mean you let it go? Well, I mean, it's more complicated than that. What it said well, it's is, it's not more complicated. If my if my granddaughter, age seven, right. is going into the toilet in her school, and there's a woman comes in who is physically completely different from her, then I have a problem with that. Right. No, no, you're absolutely right that uh, under the guidance that the Obama administration released, if you decide that you want to call yourself a woman, you can be George Hook. And you can walk into a lady's bathroom or locker room as, as But you can do it tomorrow. Coaches. You can do yes. it tomorrow. Yes. I mean, you don't have to go to counseling no, no, no. and everything. This, this, this has tomorrow. nothing to do with bio- – remember, remember, the left has abandoned science. They believe that there's no such thing as a biological sex, that that's merely a social construct, and that we just make up the idea of sex and sex differences. So, yeah. So there you go. But but the second question is why are so many school children confused? Have you got a have you got an answer? Oh yeah, because there's uh, you know in a swamp of uh, of uh, media content and classroom content that keeps saying over and over again there's no such thing. The the basis of all evolution, the premise of evolution of boys and girls getting together and making new boys and girls has been abandoned by the left. They just don't believe it, and so they believe that that as I say to people all the time. When they say there's more than two sexes, I always say, okay, well, name name one. 
Yeah. But, uh, and, uh, and they never get an answer. It's always, uh, yeah. uh. But the problem is that they are now living in a swamp of school teaching, of media, of everything, which is saying, don't worry about it. And if you're a child, if, if Brother Athanasius was telling me all those years ago <laughs> uh, that really, George, you could be a girl could if you girl. want, I probably would have. And you'd be talking to Ms. Hook today. But I just wonder how many of your listeners get now that this is what I've been trying to talk about since you and I started this conversation, George. Sitting around posturing yourself as smart and saying everyone who's a conservative like Graham is an idiot. You know, I may be an idiot. I may be wrong about everything. But think about the argu- the actual arguments that are being made. The argument that there's that the biology of sex doesn't exist is insane. The argument that vaccines cause you know uh, autism with no scientific background okay. is insane. Who's making those arguments? It's not my Bible thumping evangelical cousins. It's these super smart uber liberals of America and the West. The All idea right. that the, that Islam is like every other religion when it comes to violence is stupid on its face. Who's okay. making that idiotic argument? argument it's these super smart elites this is why trump wins this is why le pen has a following this is why the world's going through what it is because we've uh, d- just decided that we're going to ignore a certain brand of stupidity if it has the right political approach right. michael graham in washington dc will be with us at this time every week